Hey, it's Lauren. This is an excerpt from the full-length episode. To listen to the entire episode, head to the show notes and follow the link. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. So I believe anyone can, everyone is psychic and anyone can do divination. Not everyone has the natural gift for it. For some, they may have to work harder and different forms of divination are going to call to different people and going to work differently. So for example, I have a much harder time reading Oracle cards than I do tarot. Tarot is so easy. I feel like I can do it in my sleep. But Oracle cards, sometimes they stump me. I, I don't offer them professionally because I don't feel confident enough to do that. There's just a shift there. Um, so you might find tea leaf reading really easy. You might find it really, really hard. But then you might find, you know, scrying things in a bowl of water or crystal ball gazing really easy. So it's going to just, you're just going to have to find what works for you in terms of divination. But I do find with these free flowing forms of divination, which are things like any form of scrying. So that might be fire scrying, trying to see images in the flame, uh, caromancy, that's uh, finding wax images left over after your candle has burnt, or if you're pouring molten wax into water and letting it solidify. Um, there's a Norwegian, I think Norwegian tradition that you can uh, pour tin into water and as it hardens you can read the tin as well so there's lots of different ways that people do these forms of divination I actually have a psychic medium friend and he can read carpet it sounds crazy but he can go into someone's house and see images in the carpet you know how if you push it one way or the other way and it, it makes patterns or when you're vacuuming you can see it get backwards and forwards so he can walk in and, and start divining things on someone's carpet which sounds so bizarre but you know you might see a tile on a wall and the tile has a gradient in it and you can start to see images getting into that headspace where you soften the gaze and you get out of your head and you go oh can I see any you know how many dog faces can I see in this you know tree in front of me or this cloud up here that area of playfulness that's when those things start to come through and suddenly you go oh I can see something I wonder what that could mean and when you're looking at these symbols, there's two different forms of symbolism that come through. There is universal symbolism, and that is things like if you see a butterfly, we all know a butterfly means change and transformation. You know, you're not going to be a divination expert to know that, all right? That's universal symbolism. We have universal symbolism. If we saw a cross, like the Christian cross, you're going to think of the Christian cross, right? And X, you're going to think either treasure or you're going to think stop or no. So there's, you know, a circle. If you see a circle, that might mean, you know, uh, perfection, completion, a wedding. So there's these universal symbols that everybody's going to pick up on, right? If you see a tortoise, that might be slow change, right? Slow movement forward. So we all know these things. And if you're not really sure, if you see a symbol and think, oh my goodness, what is that? You can sit with it. You can meditate on it. You can come back to it later. You can look it up on Google. There is, you know, tea leaf reading uh, websites. There is dream symbolism. I actually find dream symbolism websites and dictionaries much more accurate personally for finding out the, the meaning behind a symbol. Um, so that's the universal symbolism. Then you have personal symbolism. Okay. So that's where you might see a rose and everyone else thinks, oh, a rose is love. And you think, oh, no. I saw a rose on the day that my grandfather died. And to me, that means death, right? So that's a personal symbolism. And so for you, every time you see a rose in a cup, you might go, oh, something's going to die. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's going to be your personal symbol that you then use. 
I have a personal tarot card in one of my decks. It's the Nine of Swords. And typically the Nine of Swords is a card of sleeplessness, insomnia, bad dreams, that sort of thing. But when it comes up in my Shadowscapes deck, that is my mediumship card. So if I'm doing a reading for someone and that comes through, I'm like, hey, did you know you're a medium? Did you know that that's a skill you have? So that for me is my personal card. No one else is going to have that that meaning or that reason to it. But I have built up that almost relationship with that card. Now that whenever it pops out, I know and I trust that that is the meaning for it. So you'll have that when you do any form of divination. And especially in the cup, you will see certain things. They'll mean something to you that means something different to somebody else. You just got to get familiar with those symbols and your guides will start to bring them through once you fasten onto them. You know, oh, I see this one quite a lot and it always means this. And they're going to keep coming back. Same with psychic work. Your guides can give you a symbol that you might see clairvoyantly or a word you might hear and suddenly that's going to start meaning things. When I'm doing mediumship development, I've set it up with my guides. If the person is standing one step behind them, it's a parent. Two steps behind it, it's a grandparent. Right? So setting up these little symbols and little things so that, you know, hey, guides, when you bring me this information, this is how you present it so I can interpret it better. <laughs>